The Oakland A's are rooted in Philadelphia? Really? You are Locked On A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My, 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 once bitten, twice shy, and another episode of Locked on A's, your daily Oakland Athletics podcast, all part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Of course, available free pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast and on YouTube as well. If you're just joining us for the first time, hello, welcome in. My name is Wayne Coy. I am the host of the show and a longtime media dude and lifetime Oakland A's fan. Happy to be here to talk about our favorite team every single day. And that's what we do on the Locked On Network. Now, today, kind of interesting because we're going to catch up with somebody who has made pretty much his lifetime all about uh, studying everything that is the A's and their original roots. So before there was Oakland, there was Kansas City. And before KC, of course, was Philadelphia and a rich, rich history. Uh, friends, since I was in junior high school, his name is Jeff Leader. And if you ever want to know anything at all about the Philadelphia A's, well, absolutely, Jeff is the guy to talk to. Today's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Don't forget, with FanDuel, you put in a bet right now, $5, you could win $150 in bonus bets. Check them out. It's FanDuel.com slash locked on, and all the details are there. Okay, Jeff's standing by, and I'm in a very dark room wearing some very dark clothes, but certainly had an opportunity to get into all things Philly A's with Jeff Leader. Well, every story's got its beginnings, and with the A's, the beginnings were in Philadelphia, and I don't know anybody who knows more about the beginnings of this organization and the Philadelphia Athletics than this guy here. How long have I known you, Jeff? Uh, we met when we were 13 years old, so doing the math. Yeah, yeah. It's been about a long time. Gray hair. Yeah, and we're, we both grew up, of course, Oakland A's fans, but one of us took a real deep dive into the history, and, uh, and you have. So tell me how the A's came to be. I, I'm still in the dark on a lot of this. Great. I'll, I'll try not to get too uh, hardball nerdy on you here and keep it moving kind of quick. But in a nutshell, one of the first questions people ask is where'd the name come from? Right. We all know what a tiger is. We got an idea what a Dodger is. We know what a giant is. What the heck's an athletic? Okay. So it, there's, there has been an athletics professional baseball franchise going back to 1871 and an amateur franchise going back to the sixties in the 1860s. There were amateur baseball clubs all over playing in these leagues, right? And so a bunch of guys in Philly decided, hey, let's form a team and let's join. A majority of the guys on that team were members of the Philadelphia Athletic Club, which was pretty much a social club with an athletic, you know, sports, rowing and that sort of thing. So they called themselves the Philadelphia Athletics for that reason. Uh, in 1871, the National League was formed with eight teams. And one of the charter franchises was the Philadelphia Athletics. So they were an original member. Now that franchise is not the one we have, have today. They folded after a few years and other leagues, the American Association, the Western League, these were all not minor leagues, but lesser leagues. You know, we didn't have a minor league system until the Cardinals started. Was affiliation with any other 
like larger league at that time, right? Correct. They were just independent leagues. The major league, there was only one, uh, the National League. They would watch these leagues and, you know, they'd reach down and buy somebody. So you had relationships, but there was no farm team. It didn't exist. Right. So the Cardinals started and the Dodgers grew it really big. Uh, but what happened is the A's were in the Atlantic Association and then the Western League. And about 1900, uh, some folks got together and said, yeah, National League, you know, they're they're so dominant. Uh, there's room for another league. Let's go ahead and try this. And so they decided to found the American League and a lot of the Western League clubs uh, decided to join. Uh, Connie Mack, the A's manager uh, for 50 years, had been managing both in Pittsburgh and then Milwaukee in the Western League. So the Scheib family, Ben Scheib, was awarded the franchise for the American League in Philadelphia to start in 1901. Again, brand new league, going to challenge the National League. They reached out to Connie Mack and said, hey, come to Philly and manage this upstart team. He was a little hesitant, and they said, we'll give you an ownership percentage, kind of like the A's did with Billy Bean just about 100 years later. Billy Bean, yeah. Yeah, to get them to stay. Uh, you'll see a lot of the history repeating itself in the A's franchise, which is really kind of fun. So anyway, the A's started, and Connie Mack was their manager. They started in 1901. Uh, the A's didn't win the pennant in 1901. There was no World Series. But what they did have was a guy named Napoleon Lajway. So the A's started in 01, and right before then, they wanted to get a star player. So they looked across town, and the Philadelphia Phillies' best player was a guy named Nap Lajway. So the A's stole him. They signed him to a contract, paid him more. A lot of players jumped to the American League, but Lajway was clearly the best. In 1901, at the end of the year, he had won the Triple Crown. Wow. Batting average home runs, yeah. So at the end of the first year, the Athletics franchise had the all-time career home run batting average, right, R RBI, single season, the whole shebang. They didn't win it, though, but Napoleon Lajway didn't get his just due. It was said that he hit 422, which would still be the American League record if there wasn't a correction. Remember, Williams hit 406, Cobb hit 400 a couple times, but 422. This Topps card, 1960, shows Rogers Hornsby, and this celebrates Rogers Hornsby of the Cardinals, and if you can see that, you know, hitting 424, which for years, decades, including throughout Napalajoy's life, was regarded as the major league record for batting average in a season. Sabre and some other great organizations got together 20 years ago and started going through all the old box scores. And they made corrections. Hack Wilson gained an RBI. He went from 190 to 191. We got a new record. They also found out that Hornsby got jobbed. He actually hit 426. Wow. And that is the single season major league record. National League, American League. It's, it's held by the Philadelphia Athletics' Napoleon Lajway. After one year, the Phillies decided, hey, we want him back. So they went and found a friendly judge, and they got a court order. Who It, it was an injunction. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I got to go back because you said Hornsby. But I think you meant Lajoie, right? I'm sorry. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So the, the, well, they would have loved to have both. But the Phillies went and they got Lajoie back. Well, they tried to. They got an injunction in Philadelphia saying that Lajoie could not play in Philly unless mm -hmm. he played for the Phillies. So Connie Mack and the American League said, look, we want to keep the guy. Lajoie ended up in a friendly deal, got traded to Cleveland where he was allowed to play. Now, whenever he came to Philly, he couldn't play in the games. When the A's played the Indians for that year, he couldn't play in them. He was barred from playing in Philly. 
right? But he could play the rest of the league and eventually got resolved. He could, you know, play against the A's. Uh, but years later, the Indians were known as the Cleveland Naps. And the reason for that, non-A's news, is because Napoleon Lajoie was such a popular player. Gotcha. Was the Cleveland Naps. 1902, the A's get it all together. They win the American League pennant. There was no World Series, but they won the American League pennant. They said, hey, National League, come on. National League refused to play them. They didn't want to give the upstart league a chance. First World Series in 03, Boston Pilgrims beat the Cleveland, uh, beat the Pittsburgh Pirates. National League was shamed. This junior league was the real deal. Fast forward, the A's continue to move on. And in 1909, they built a really good team. So that when 1910 rolled around, they won the pennant, they made it to the World Series, and they defeated the Chicago Cubs. Tingers, Devers, chance had no chance. Mordecai Brown, etc. So they, anyway, they, 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 they wiped them out, and they won the pennant in the World Series. The A's won it again in 1911. And after they won it, they had a banquet in Philadelphia. This is, this is, this is I won't say myth, this is the story, that there was this, this you know, celebration banquet put on by the business leaders, politicians, etc. And there were anywhere from 50 to 100 people at this dinner. It was a spaghetti dinner. Again, this is not proven, it's just the most widely accepted Thing. Well, everybody ate their dinner on one of these plates. Now that's an elephant, and I think that's that looks yeah. right, which we'll get to in a moment. But this is the it's a collage of the Philadelphia Athletics 1911 with Connie Mack riding it. And this is one of the plates that somebody ate on at that dinner. Wow, they cleaned their plate too, which is a good yeah, thing. Yeah, they, they and then everybody was told take your plate home. Again, we don't know that it's true, but there's no proof that it's false. And you can see I got a couple more of them yeah. uh, up here behind me including one that I found that was smashed to pieces. You but put the pieces are put, yeah, pieces are put back together. That's this one right right up here. They're beautiful pieces. If you go to Cooperstown, you look at the Philadelphia Athletics display, at least time I was there, one of those plates is the centerpiece. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So then 1912, uh, uh, the A's did not make it to the World Series. They went back in 1913, and as they did in 1911, they beat the Giants. If you're keeping score, World Series head-to-head, that's A's two, Giants nothing. There we right. go. Yeah, Giants nothing. 1914 then, just as the American League had come up and caused problems for the NL, the Federal League, now folks were saying there's room for three leagues. Wow. So some upstart folks decided to start the Federal League, and a whole it's like the Dodgers today, a whole bunch of people, owners, just started throwing money at the major league you know, stars, and lots of them jumped. I mean, a lot of them. So much so that the Federal League only lasted a few years because they couldn't afford to pay. Uh, but the A's took it particularly hard, and folks knew they were going to take it hard. They went to the World Series. They paid, played the Boston Braves, went later go to Milwaukee and then Atlanta. The A's lost it in such fashion that to this day, there's a lot of folks who think that was a precursor to the Black Sox scandal. How did this team that was so dominant play so poorly, especially when they all knew they were going to be leaving? Uh, Mac sold off, Connie Mac sold off all his stars over the next year and a half, all of them. Eddie Collins, home run Baker, Eddie Plank, and these are all Hall of Famers, Chief Bender. Right. You know, they, they were all sold off. You were left with a few guys like Amos Strunk, Rube Oldring, you know, it's a mid-range guys, you know, good players, but not the stars, right? Uh, so that broke down the dynasty. And Max said, look, I can't afford to keep them because the federal league is offering so much more money. Remember at this time, Wayne, there was, you know, the reserve clause was in its infancy. Once you signed a contract with a major league team, they owned your rights. 
was no free agency. Right. Got to tell you about what's happening with FanDuel. They're making it really easy for you to get involved in this crazy football season that's coming to a close here pretty soon. But you know what? Right now is a great time to jump in because the games start to mean something. And at the same time, you have a little bit of fun at home. So, you know, baseball is great. But when it's not around, of course, we all kind of become football fans. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you mean. Raiders beat the Chiefs. Let's say you'd said the Raiders were going to beat the Chiefs and you took the, the money line bet, which just to say, that's my team. They're going to win. Well, had you bet that $5 bet, you would have been right. And if you're a new customer, you would have got $150 in bonus bets. Oh, it's true. And right now is the time to do it. Locked on is the keyword you want to put right after you put in fanduel.com slash locked on. Take advantage of this awesome deal that's waiting there for you. Very easy to download. Then, of course, you get the player props. You get the overs, the unders, all of that, of course. You can bet with the spread. However you want to do it the rest of the year and on into baseball season, basketball too, of course, hockey, all of that, right at your fingertips with FanDuel. Make sure that you get over there today. And don't forget, FanDuel is an official partner of the National Football League. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we're going to go to the next chapter which is after that first dynasty. So at that point, you entered 1915, 1916. The A's went from first to worst. They went from the pennant winners to the seller in 1915. And then in 1916, they had what is the worst season in Major League Baseball history. Yeah, we talked about that season quite a bit this last Oakland A's season because yeah. these were records that hadn't been seen since 1916. Crazy. Yeah, these, these guys look like the 27 Yankees, the new A's, right, or the 29 Athletics compared to these 16 guys. Uh, they had two roommates, okay? Jack Neighbors and Tom Sheehan. Tom Sheehan went 1-16. and 16. You think he took a ribbing, one win and 16 losses? You know, mostly as a reliever, right? <laughs> He went out with his fire hose that was filled with, you know, gasoline. He, but he didn't take a ribbing from his roommate, Jack Neighbors, because Jack Neighbors went one in 20. Oh. So major league roommates, back then they shared a room on the road, major league roommates who had a combined two and 36 record. Sure. There's, there's no official stat, but that's got to be the worst all time. Yeah, and somewhere, Brian Kingman, we need to say, you've been vindicated <laughs> after all these years. Yeah, yeah, right. One in 20. And the one win may have been his first game. I, I don't exactly recall. But there's there's a lot of just really funny stuff. Uh, but these guys were so bad, they were called the, the pathetics. Uh, they lost, you know, 20 games in a row. They had multiple 10-game losing streaks. Their third baseman, his name was Charlie Pick. Okay, like you, know, you could pick him. Good name for a third baseman, right? He led the league in one category, errors. He had 42. <laughs> yeah, he only played one season in the majors. There were multiple guys. The A's went through 50 players on their roster that year. Sounds and like he, the three A's. I mean, it really does. Yeah, yeah. It's uh they, you know, it's it's something else. Now Nap Lajway returned for his final season in 16 and played most of the season. The A's had a young bullet Joe Bush, right, who went on to have, you know, a, a decent career. He threw a no-hitter uh, for that team, which I guess was about the only way that you're going to win. He threw a no-hitter, uh, and that's the last game Lashley ever ever played. Gotcha. Yeah, so, oh, so Knapp was with the A's, then went to Cleveland, mm -hmm. and then came back and finished with the A's. Right, yeah, and he came back kind of as a favorite of Mac because what happened is Mac reached out 
uh, to a bunch of players. There's, I mentioned this Rube Oldring before. Rube Oldring was an outfielder, good arm, good bat, real kind of Joe Rudy, you know, a real solid player, not the big star. That would have been home run Baker, right, On, with the bat and Eddie Collins, Hall of Famers. Rube Oldring, though, he's a real solid player. He had left in a tiff with Mac, and Mac even brought him back for half a season because he needed to fill out his roster, and yet they still finished with a 235 winning percentage, the lowest ever. Well, there were those A's, those pathetics, playing in Philadelphia in 1916, setting all kinds of records for being really bad, but that didn't last forever. Eventually, they uh, they polished it up and had another comeback. What was that all about, Jeff? So as soon as uh, Max, all, all guys left, like I said, worst ever season, the 62 Mets lost more games, but they had a higher winning percentage because they played more games. So the worst team ever, 16 A's, it's just, it, they're hysterical. So then you start rolling. Bragging rights, though, about, oh, no, 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 you weren't worse than us. We were worse than you. <laughs> Right, right. So uh, you real quickly, be between like 17 and uh, 27, there wasn't much in A's land. You had a couple highlights. Tilly Walker uh, hit 11 home runs in 1918 uh, to uh, win the Amer tie for the American League home run crown with a pitcher from the Red Sox, Babe Ruth. Oh, yeah. About that time, they also Mac also saw this guy, Eddie Rommel was a young pitcher. He signed him. And, and Rommel, for about 10 years, was a good major league hurler. Actually, really good. Playing for some really, really bad A's teams. Mac kept him around. And he won 20 games. It's real solid. But he was about the only decent player, with apologies to other folks' ancestors, uh, until you get to 25. And Mac brings on, you know, Jimmy Cochran. You know, I, I'm sorry, Mickey Cochran. And then he brings on Jimmy Fox, right? In 25, he acquires from the Baltimore Orioles, which were an independent, I believe, association team. He acquires Lefty Grove, Bing Miller. He's putting this team together that in 27, you know, Dynasty Yankees, right? The A's are starting to make noise. 28, the Yankees barely win the pennant over the A's. And in 29, the A's finally eclipse the Yankees. And keep in mind, Gary, Ruth, Bob Musial, but Stan, Bob Musial, these guys were all, I mean, they were in their peak. It's not like the Yankees faded and the A's, you know, assumed the crown. The Yankees were peak and the A's were that much better. And really the difference was pitching. Both teams had sluggers, you know, Jimmy Fox at 58 homers, you know, Ruth was still swatting 40 to 50 while eating a dozen hot dogs. You know, Gehrig was swatting home runs and RBIs. The A's had Al Simmons winning batting titles, home run titles. It's an incredible team. And they won the World Series in 29, ironically, beating the Cubs, just as they'd done in 1910. 1930, they ran up against this, the Gas House Gang of St. Louis, the Cardinals, and the A's beat them in 1930. 31, the two teams again in the World Series. This time, the Cardinals won. They just went crazy running around the bases, stealing bases and such. Two great teams, played well, no hints of scandal like 1914. Mac at that point was running out of money again. And for the second time, this dynasty, he broke it apart mm. and sold it all off. So how, how do you run out of money when you're doing that well on the field? You would think that the box office would be great. Was it just a matter of the salaries were out of hand or what? Years later, Mac was asked about that. And so rather than try and give you my answer, I'll tell you what Connie Mac said. Connie Mac said the most successful team you can have is one that's competitive, but not dominant. He said, fans get lackadaisical, and they do it quick. They expect you to win. 
And if you don't win at all, they get bored. If you got a team that should win, might win, let's go root. He said, that's how you draw fans in. And in his way, he was saying, we got too dominant. Now, think of what you want from that. Now, they were splitting the city with Philadelphia. The Phillies were the longer team, but they were the junior team because the A's had the more, more wonderful history. Phillies didn't win their first uh, World Series until with the 80s, right? They won the pennant in 50. They'd won it years, years earlier. But the A's were the dominant team, and Philly just had a hard time drawing. You know, mm -hmm. nothing wrong with the park, nothing like that. Max said that the fans just didn't come out. And it wasn't because they didn't have a good team. They were smacking the Yankees around, you know, with Ruth, you know, and er everybody else. So that that was the thought there. So Mac broke it up and he sold off Eddie Collins and you know, Jimmy Fox and everybody who was any good. And they dove back into the cellar and they stayed there. Now, notice that 20 year cycle, right? Mm -hmm. 1910, 1911, 1930, right? Well, what happened in 1950? I'm going to fast forward. What happened in 1950? Right about then on a 20 year cycle again, as Mac was nearing the end of his you know, life as a baseball uh, player, coach, manager, the A's all of a sudden got Bobby Shantz, who in 52 won the American League MVP. All right, didn't have a Scion, won the American League MVP. They had uh, Gus Jarneal, who in 52 won the home run crown. They had Elmer Velo, who won a batting title. Mm. And look at this. You got the pitcher winning the MVP. You got the home run guy. You got the batting average guy. They didn't quite get over the hump. The Yankees were just too dominant. Connie Mack lost control of the team, both mentally, emotionally. He checked out. They handed it over to Jimmy Dykes right before that. Uh, and then the Mack family sold the team to the Johnsons, who moved it off to Kansas City. And that team also just never quite made it. But they were building it again on that 20-year cycle. And the reason I mention that is then you get to 20 years after that, and where are we, Wayne? 1970. Yeah. Right, 1970. Not exactly 20 years. We had a little blip around 81, but not mm -hmm. that successful. But if you take a blip from 1970, you get to 1990, it's the 88, 89, 90 A's. Sure. sure. Every 20 years, we seem to have something special. Okay, so by that rationale, we'll see you in 2032? Is that what you're saying? I'm already buying my tickets, baby. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I did, how did it happen that you became such a student of athletics history? What drove you to dig into all of this? Because it's fascinating to me. Yeah, I agree. It's fascinating. Uh, I was about 11 years old, 12 years old. I checked out the book, The Georgia Peach about Ty Cobb. Everybody thinks Detroit Tigers. I checked it out from the library. I got sick. So I was home for like three days. I, I wasn't faking. It's more than a few times. Uh, and I read the Georgia Peach. In that book, Ty Cobb talks a lot about playing the A's, Connie Mack and that stuff. Of course, I was an A's fan, right? Growing up in San Leandro near Oakland. And that hooked me in. That introduced me to the Philadelphia A's history. And one of the first people I read about was Rube Waddell. Waddell, I didn't mention too much, but he was the you know dominant pitcher. Uh, in 1905, you know, when the A's won, uh, actually, we skipped over that, you know, the, the A's won the pennant in, in, in 05. And in fact, I made a mistake earlier. I, I said the A's, uh, when they won the pennant in 02 and 05, they won the pennant in 05, they went to the World Series, and they lost to the Giants. So I apologize. It's two to one was the score in 89. We made it three to one. But Rube Waddell had the brain of a five-year-old, by all accounts. He was an Adonis. He's held the American League strikeout record, you know, until like, like Nolan Ryan broke it. Uh, Waddell was just a dominant figure, but the stories of him are legendary. He was pitching one time, and an ambulance and fire truck drove by outside the stadium. He ran off the mound to go chase him. 
True story. Yeah, they were playing in a city one time. Then they went to the train to leave. They couldn't find Waddell. So Max sent a couple of players to go find him. They heard there was a circus that had just left town. Sure enough, he joined the circus. He was like feeding the animals. Wow. But he was a dominant athletic. He played for the A's. Then the St. Louis Browns he finished up with. It was a sad sack franchise. Uh, the reason I bring that up is Waddell hurt his shoulder right before the 05 series. A lot of people think it wasn't hurt. Yeah. They think so it was that, paid off. That was my next question for you is now that you have the hindsight, you can look back. Do you think that uh, that they tanked to lose that World Series? You know, it, it, it wouldn't be they. It would have been Waddell. And the reason that that's so important is he was such a dominant force. Christy Mathewson, who was the Giants ace, threw three shutouts in that World Series. Obviously won them all, all right? Uh, the reason that's so relevant is Waddell was every bit the pitcher Mathewson was. Waddell went down. Now, that's a double dose of irony here because when the A's were formed in 1901 and Mack and company, Scheib, went out and got Nap Lajway from the Phillies, they also got Christy Mathewson to sign a contract to jump from the Giants to play for the A's. Wow. Unfortunately, Mathewson told his mother. And his mother, this is well documented, his mother said, Christy, you already have a contract. You honor it. And he said, okay, mom. Now listen to mama. Yeah. So years later, we finally got even on Mother's Day when we saw a perfect game tossed. By Dallas Braden. Yeah. Until then, Mother's Day was painful for the A's. So, All right. for you. you promise us you'll come back and uh, give us some more because I know there's stories about how Babe Ruth almost played for the A's or had an opportunity to do that. And I know you got a million stories and, and we could fill up probably five or six episodes. Would you do that for us? I would love to. And remind me, I want to tell you about Rube Waddell's roommate's contract. Funniest clause ever in a contract. Okay. Well, we've got to leave you hanging with that. Of course. <laughs> That's it. Thank you. His name's Jeff, expert on all things Philadelphia A's. And as he says, they're useless baseball trivia specialist. <laughs> Don't forget now, this is important. Locked on sports with the very first 24-7 streaming sports network. Get your baseball, football, basketball, hockey, all of that. Uh, the hot stories when they're hot from the regions that they're hot in, from the people who covers the, those teams every single day. You get that at Locked On Sports today. Make sure you check it out. In fact, at the end of this episode, we're just going to go ahead and send you over there. In the meantime, hope Christmas was good for you. Remember, we're getting back to our countdown of the best of the best, the greatest A's that ever played in Oakland, and that's coming up in our next episode. But for today, that's it. Again, we want to thank Jeff for all of his knowledge, and thank you for being around for another episode. Until we get together next time, I'm Wayne Coy, and you keep on swinging.